0: Yo, what's up? Hey, Mike. I haven't seen you in a long time. It's been a while. We're back here recording. It's been over a year. We used to have a podcast on the Vox Media Podcast Network called the Limited Upside Podcast. It was an NBA show. Yeah. We're bringing our powers back to the microphones now because we're going to go over the bloggers mock draft recap for all of SB Nation. Mm Mm-hmm. Seems like a lot of people's opinions have gone into this. A lot of work has been done. We are joined by well, SB Nation's college basketball guru. Ricky O'Donnell, he's going to help make sure that Mike and I don't make egregious errors in evaluating the talent. C- good the luck, picks. Ricky. Yeah, <laughs> mostly cleaning up Mike's mistakes. Ricky, how you doing, man?
1: I'm great. Thanks for having me again. This has become a, an annual tradition of hopping on the, what was once called the Limited Upside <laughs> Podcast. I'm glad to be here.
2: So, yeah, so if you're listening to this on one of the our team site podcasts, uh, if you're uh, a Lakers fan, if you're a Pelicans fan, uh, we did used to have a podcast until – we got too busy to kind of maintain
0: it, but they recruited us back. And why we're important? Let's see. Mike is the actual NBA editor of SB Nation, important. so he's important. <laughs> I'm I'm not. I, I'm uh, you know just a, a fan of basketball who once upon a time hosted a podcast here. So. Uh, I'll be a little bit more of the question asker, and hopefully Mike can make sure this is MBA relatable and Ricky can blend in his college basketball expertise, because what the bloggers have done uh, is take some serious time here to do a, a real-world draft. They have made trades with each other. They have picked their favorite prospects. Uh, it lines up perfectly, because the draft is on Thursday. If you're listening to this, it might be Tuesday. It could be Wednesday. I'm not sure yet. We're recording this on a Tuesday. Um, right Podcasting before the NBA draft. On a right before the NBA draft's uh, about to take place. And one thing's for sure, there have been some landscape changing injuries and trades that have happened in the NBA. We are going to take that into account, but it's important to note this mock draft occurred before Kevin Durant got hurt, before Clay Thompson got hurt, before Anthony Davis was traded uh, to the Lakers, although I guess that hasn't been quite. Uh, Consummated yet? That'll happen at a date later to be determined, decide, uh, depending on how much Polinka <laughs> understands uh, free agency. So yes. we will talk about that more. Yes, we um, will see the fourth pick yes. get a Lakers hat. But let's let's get right into it. With the first pick in the in the NBA draft, the Pelicans have selected. Uh, what's this guy's name, he's a, he's a Zion. minor, Zion, Zion, I think it's a, high, a hard eye, Zion Williamson, uh, Ricky, you have been on Zion's trail, I mean, probably since he was, what, 16 years old, something like that, this obviously is a no-brainer pick here, this has been the rumored selection for for a long, long time, although not necessarily the team we thought would fall into that first pick, the Pelicans changed the whole NBA again when they won that uh, ability to pick number one overall, and they're gonna get Zion, so, I don't know, in the quickest Zion, uh, I don't know, summary possible. People know a lot about him, but mostly they've seen the visuals. Tell me about uh, Zion, the the player, the the, the intelligent basketball player that you think he could be.
1: Sure. Well, my first take on this is that as the draft has approached, you'll hear a lot of people say that it's a three-player draft with Zion, R.J. Barrett, and John Morant. If we're being honest, this is a one-player draft. Mm -hmm. The gap between Zion Williamson and any other prospect in this draft is the largest I have ever seen since I've been following the draft. And I used to go to mbadraft.net and read the Deshaun Stevenson (laughs) scouting reports comparing him to Michael Jordan, so I've been (laughs) on this for a while. Uh, That was 2000, right? I believe so. 2000? Zion, I mean, everyone can see the physical ability. I mean, the combination of power, speed, and agility, historically unprecedented, perhaps, uh, throughout NBA history. But to me, what really stood out about him during his one-and-done year at Duke was just how great of a teammate and how much of a natural leader he was. He had someone in R.J. Barrett, who is going to go later, a few picks later in this draft, Uh, take five more shots per game than him on the floor. And they never got competitive over who was going to have the ball. When Coach K put the ball in RJ's hands at the end of games multiple times throughout the end of the season, including in Duke's eventual Elite Eight loss to Michigan State, uh, Williamson, you know, never seemed frustrated. He always, uh, you know, approached the game the right way, in my opinion. So what what really stood out to me is just the fact that this guy is going to be Arguably the face of the NBA, not just because of his physical ability, but also because he checks all of those intangible boxes that you want in someone leading your team.
0: Cast question um, the, the Pelicans obviously multiple years ago selected Anthony Davis number one overall he was this mercurial talent a generational guy won the national title in college did so in an unselfish way similar to what you're talking about right now can you compare those two as prospects obviously they're going to the same team to the same city and how unfair and a landscape that is going to be vacated by Anthony Davis so just compare those two for a moment that'd be great
1: sure well the first thing that stands out to me is that anthony davis is a center and i think that zion's going to be the type of guy who can initiate the offense with the ball in his hands Hmm. now what makes zion so versatile uh, and to me, the most positionless player ever in an increasingly positionless league is the fact that defensively he's going to be someone who could guard centers, who's going to be tremendous as a weak side shot blocker, a help defender. But offensively, I view him running pick and rolls. I view him being a terror in an isolation. When he had the ball isolated at the top of the key in college, there was no one in the country who had a prayer of stopping him. Uh, just his explosiveness going in and out of his moves Reminds me quite a bit of prime Derrick Rose, which is ridiculous when you consider that Zion's 75 pounds heavier than him. Uh, the strength and just athletic explosiveness he has, you know, going from a standstill towards the basket is unbelievable. So I think the fact that, you know, he's going to have the ball in his hands. He won't need someone to get him the ball like Davis uh, is the first thing that really jumps out and the biggest difference between them to me.
2: So we should talk a little bit about what else the Pelicans did in this mock draft what they could do in real life. Uh, in this mock, there was they did trade Anthony Davis to the Knicks, not the Lakers. Mm-hmm. We'll talk more about that. But through a series of transactions, they ended up also with the number five pick, uh, and they drafted Jared Culver. Now you're a Jared Culver fan. Do you think that Jared Culver is the right guy if they have another top top pick to pair with Anthony Davis?
1: Yeah, I wrote a big story on Jared Culver today for SBNation.com. You can read it. Uh, I think Jared Culver is the second-best prospect in this draft. I also don't think he's a natural fit with Zion just because, you know, ideally, what do you want next to Zion? You want a lot of shooting, which he certainly didn't have at Duke. I think you want at least one more guard who would create off the dribble, and then you want a lot of strong defenders. Now, Culver does check a lot of those boxes. I think— Uh, He's the second most versatile prospect in this draft. And to me, versatility is the name of the game in today's NBA. That's why I like Culver so much. Uh, He was really good at creating off the dribble. That's where he has a big advantage over someone like DeAndre Hunter, who actually outplayed him in the national championship game at Virginia. Uh, But I do come back to the shooting ability. It's like there's only so many spots on the floor today for non shooters. Culver, I do think will improve as a shooter, but it's not going to happen right away. He only shot about 30 percent from three point range uh, at Texas Tech during his breakout sophomore season. He was able to get up a lot of attempts, which I think is a stat that is pretty indicative of his ability to create off the dribble and is encouraging for his three-point shooting ability going forward. I would take Culver in a scenario where the Pelicans were picking at four and where Morant and Barrett are gone. But in terms of being a perfect fit, I don't quite think it is just because uh, Culver, like Zion, is an unrefined shooter at this stage of his career. Gotcha.
2: So, Because if you read The Bird the bird Writes, our friend Ali Cosell, who runs the, the site, their logic was in part that Culver is, you know, has high character, that's something that the, the Pelicans value. And they do mention that his improved form on his jump shot is encouraging, if not his ability, to actually stroke it yet.
0: Yeah, I wonder if he's a guy who will fit in, I say this all the time, but the NBA game and college games, the chasm is larger than ever. And a lot of times it's, and again, this is why we have guys like Ricky here to, to you know, level us out a little bit. But I look at it like Cul- Culver's a guy, and same thing with Zion, whose games will just be expanded once they get into the NBA you a, in a so you're faster, more open this. game. I am. I liked his game earlier in the year. Uh, I'm blanking on the game. He had a, Ricky, you could tell me, he had a huge showcase game. It was like on ESPN early in the season. Culver was a star of the game. I'm not exactly sure who they were playing. It was one of their Texas. possibly type... against Duke. They played Duke, Duke in
1: Madison square garden That's... and he was really good. He was burning Cam Reddish all night. That's right. What I like about Culver is that at the college level, he became this guy who they moved freshman year. He played on the wing sophomore year. They moved him to this like offensive initiator, de facto point guard type role. And he was able to score efficiently out of the pick and roll and ball handling situations. He was able to score efficiently in isolation. He has so many counters to his attacks in a really offbeat rhythm to how he goes at the defense. So while that worked for him at the college level, I think that even if he doesn't become this takeover scorer in the NBA, that he also has a lot of value as a potential role player because he's a really good passer, great feel for the game on both ends. He's tremendous as a help defender. So I think you know sometimes you look at a player in college who put up big scoring numbers, that's immediately what gets you recognized, I think, by NBA scouts. Someone like Barrett is a perfect example of that. But I don't think Barrett has as much complementary potential if he doesn't hit like his 99th percentile upside, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think that Culver will be a better team player. He'll make the players around him better on both ends of the floor because of his uh, help defensibility, because of his passing, uh, because he can hit you with so many different counters on his drives, which I put some examples of that. Uh, in a video today, I caught up in my Jared Culver story. So I, I love Culver. I think he's the, the second best prospect in this draft, but I don't view him, like I said, as an ideal fit next to Williamson just because they're both unrefined as jump shooters right now.
2: So keeping in mind, of course, that in this scenario, the Pelicans do not have Brandon Ingram uh, as part of the Davis trade, it seems to me like you would slide Culver into that slot in this scenario. Now, the player that was picked ahead of Culver, and I'm curious your take on this dude, was Darius Garland. And I'll admit, I barely saw this dude play. He played, what, like four games?
0: So you're talking about in yeah. the mock draft. Let's, in the keep, mock, let's yeah, keep qualifying yes. right Yes, now.
2: in the mock draft, the Lakers did not trade for Anthony Davis, and we'll talk more about that, but they picked Darius Garland, which meant that the Pelicans at five had their choice between Culver, Reddish, DeAndre Hunter, and a bunch of other guys who I've kind of heard of. So do you think that Darius Garland at four is a lot, is really high? Like, Do you think, he's, do you think that that was a good pick by the Lakers?
1: So That's definitely his range, and people had Garland going as the fourth pick to the Lakers uh, before they made the Anthony Davis trade. To me, Darius Garland is the single hardest player to evaluate in this class. I saw him during his rising senior year on Nike's EYBL circuit when I took a, a trip to go watch some AAU balls I do every year, and I immediately thought he was the most impressive point guard in that class, even though that wasn't the consensus at the time. Uh, so quick with the ball, great shooting ability, just really shifty. But even watching him then, I didn't see him as someone who was a no brainer NBA player. I didn't even think he'd be a one and done, let alone a one and done top five pick. And that's just because he's pretty small. I mean, we didn't get measurements on him at the combine, I don't think, but he's about six foot six, or no, I'm sorry, six foot two, but with long arms, maybe a six six wingspan, which is encouraging. Uh, but to me, he's someone who's going to be a one position defender at best. I don't really see him. Uh, you know, being able to handle other positions other than point guards. I really struggle to see how he's going to score at the rim because he's not an explosive athlete. Basically, his game is about shifty ball handling, like the power going in and out of his moves and his pull up shooting ability. He's the best pull up shooter in the draft, bar none. You can never go under a screen in a pick and roll when Darius Garland has the ball because he'll shoot right over the top of you. Uh, so I don't know about Garland. Like, On one hand, you know, pull up shooting has become such a valuable skill for today's NBA point guards. All the best point guards in the league are basically knockdown pull up shooters. I think Garland has that. But I don't see him have that many other avenues towards becoming a good player if he isn't, like, super elite on those pull-up threes. He actually averaged more turnovers than assists during his brief college career. I think he's totally unrefined as a playmaker. I'd have a lot more faith in him if he had, like, Trey Young's passing ability or John Morant's passing ability. But he hasn't proven that yet. Perhaps he will as he goes on in the league. I don't think he's going to be a plus defensively, and I don't think he's going to be much of a threat to score off the dribble when he's driving. So hmm. uh, he's a tough eval. I think he's worth taking a chance on in this draft, but I don't have a ton of confidence that he's going to be a really good player.
0: Damn. He seems like a guy who, and again, you've already hit it on, on the head, the rise that he has had, um, there's a few guys, and we'll get to a couple of them later here, that they, they look great in workouts when they're by themselves. And everything you just mentioned is in-game scenario stuff, like going under screens, being able to create your own shot, things that you just don't prove out when you're taking wide-open three-pointers in a gym with five people rebounding for you. His dad was an NBA player, too, so he has some kind of pedigree there. Um, as well, as you mentioned, his wingspan. He is a, a 6'5 wingspan for a 6'2 body guy, and that, that usually bodes pretty well. Is that a lot? Is that considered yeah, a Yeah, an lot? extra three inches is, is a But, a I mean, only, most people, if there's for, only
2: one player in the league that has a shorter wingspan than his height. Only one player in the whole league? Yeah, J.J. Reddick. Did you know true? that? Yeah,
0: did you know that? Is he that? the only player? In, like, that can't be right. I,
1: I, There's sure. two players in this draft, I believe, yeah, who have on, shorter Mike. wingspans. Really? Come on, Mike. Kobe White and Tyler Hero. Yeah,
0: so, you know, maybe there'll be three. Kobe this. White, the guy that they, they could pick instead of Garland. We'll get to Kobe White in a minute because that's going to hit near and dear to Ricky's Chicago heart. Um, let's talk about the, the hypothetical trade that was made here by our bloggers between the Knicks and Cavs, and then I want to compare that to the real trade that was consummated or created. This is Anthony Davis, Uh, Yes, between the Lakers and Pelicans. Right. So in this mock draft, uh, the Knicks have traded to the Cavs. Uh, The Knicks are getting Anthony Davis. The Cavs are going to get the third pick, and they're going to pick R.J. Barrett, who we'll talk about in a second. And the Pelicans are going to get the fifth pick, the 26th pick. Both of those are from the Cavs, as well as the 2021 Dallas, first round unprotected, the 2023 Dallas, First round, top ten protected. Those are both from the Knicks. They got that in the Porzingis trade. As well as the following players, all of which are, I want to say, except for Lance Thomas, under 22 years old. That's Kevin Knox, Dennis Smith Jr., and Alonzo Trier. Trier? Trier. Uh, no, that's Trier. Trier. He's not French. <laughs> well, if he goes to play for the Pelicans, maybe they'll call him Trier. But that's, oh. sorry, that's... um <laughs> that a... He's going to the Knicks in the, uh sorry, he's going to the Cavs in this trade. So I cannot cheer. convey um, the the look of
2: disgust that Ricky
0: has on his face through podcasting yeah. as he as he sees us do this. Well, you know, we're used to that face. So okay, so that the Knicks got the, the Knicks uh Cavs and Pelicans here huge trade. Um actually bigger than the trade that was in in some ways here that was actually made between the Lakers. Oh, I uh, disagree with that. No, the, the Lakers trade was humongous. More picks. But this, this has a number of players as well in three teams. So, again, large trade, very created by the bloggers to make this work. Uh, glad that the Knicks, uh, in a fake world, have landed Anthony Davis, which which feels really appropriate. Uh, in the real world for the Knicks. And by the so, way,
2: th- this was something that the, our Knicks I mentioned in the write-up. Like They did this trade not knowing, and you said it yeah. before, but it's worth noting again right, KD. that KD has torn a because I think the idea would be to then sign Kevin Durant to That's play right. with Anthony Davis. So this
0: trade was done before the Kevin Durant injury. So, Mike, I know that you're going to bring this up on your computer right now, the full flight of the Lakers trade uh, and Pelicans. Let's compare the two. Ricky, first of all, and then let me just get the players off the board here. Kevin Knox, Dennis Smith Jr., Alonzo Trier, and Lance Thomas uh, all going to the Pelicans in this deal. How does that compare with, uh, with Ingram, Ball, and Hart, the actual players that were, uh, were traded in real life?
1: Yeah, I'm still in on Lonzo. I liked Lonzo two years ago in the draft. I still like him, despite the fact that he has some, you know, obvious weaknesses in his game through his first two years in the NBA. The durability is really scary. The fact that he legitimately shoots free throws about as well as any of us is scary. He's only making forty percent of. He's only making about forty percent of his free throws, so uh, that is also worrisome to me. Obviously, but. I do think that he's a special passer. I think he's been better than advertised as a defender, especially off the ball. And I think his shooting will improve. He hit 33% of his threes last year. So I think he's getting better in that regard and will continue to get better. I believe he'll only be 22 years old at the start of next season. Hmm. Uh, So I'd take Alonzo over any of these other players, Dennis Smith, Kevin Knox, Alonzo Trier, Lance Thomas. Uh, Ingram, I'm a little more hot and and cold on just because I think you're going to have to pay him a huge contract.
2: You have to pay him a a contract. Ingram Eventually.
1: fan back in the second back in that draft, the I think that was the sixteen draft. He's underwhelmed me mostly because he was a forty percent three point shooter at Duke and he hasn't been able to hit shots near anywhere near that level, uh, in the NBA. So I think I prefer the actual trade to this trade, uh, in terms of what the Pelicans are getting back, but Uh, You know, the unprotected 2021 pick from Dallas, I think that that is pretty intriguing.
2: Yeah, I would very much prefer the actual trade to this trade. I think it's not
1: even close, to be honest. (laughs) We should get some perspective from
0: someone who actually follows the Lakers from a day-to-day who has contributed to this Bloggers Mock Draft. We should get Sabrina Merchant in here, and I believe she's on the line. All right, Sabrina, welcome to the Bloggers Mock Draft recap. I know you were a part of this. Thank you for joining uh, Mike and I here, And, and, and Ricky O'Donnell is on the line. You'll probably be hearing from him. How are you today?
3: I'm doing well. Uh, I'm happy to be here, considering all of the teams I cover no longer have a first-round pick. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, this, that's but not this. in the mock draft. Yeah, the they is. it. <laughs> this isn't real, and nothing we say here is gonna be about a real draft. So, you're but in, you're by the way, place.
2: you do have a pick because the Lakers, whoever the Lakers pick, is gonna have a Lakers hat on because they can't <laughs> consummate the trade yet. So, mm-hmm. so, you, so you have to keep up
0: appearances for like a little more time. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> That's right. So, like, all right, I guess, Sabrina, first and foremost, we are comparing uh, the fake trade that was made here, which was the Knicks and Cavs trading for Anthony Davis, which was done before Kevin Durant's uh, injury, um, mm-hmm. to the actual trade that, that was made. And I guess, like, just give us your first thoughts. Um, when the trade went down and—, and The actual and trade. The actual trade that, that went down. Which, with, by with the way, was, was what? It was Anthony Davis for Ball, Brandon
2: Ingram, Josh Hart, three first-round picks, one pick, two pick swaps, some deferment. Yes. Um, the headphones on my head. Um, <laughs> yep, the couch behind you. The couch behind me. Yep. Uh, Magic Johnson's head shake
0: gif. Yeah, that's a great gif. Um, so, yeah, when when that was all going down, disrupting a otherwise lovely weekend, um, what was going through your head?
3: Well, my first thought was finally, because we've been talking about it for so long. It just seemed like a matter of time until it got done. It wasn't so much an if, but a when. Um, and truthfully, when the details first came out, the, pick, uh, the picks that were sent didn't seem as uh, onerous as they mm-hmm. later came to be reported. <laughs> so I was pretty happy about it. <laughs> uh, I mean, the Lakers have made it pretty clear that they're, they want to get that three-star summer, so giving up Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram was just the cost of doing business. Uh, there's no way they could have signed a high-level free agent without clearing that salary, so... Just seemed like what had to get done. uh, I didn't really expect Uh Rob Blinka to be able to negotiate with any art in this process. So,
0: (laughs) TBD on that one still. (laughs) Um, Can I ask like a more of a fan visceral thing? Like, you've been following Mm -hmm. the team. Obviously, this is what you do. This is uh, a love of yours. Like, is there a weird emotional attachment to following young guys that you, like, stand for and that you write about and you watch go from college to into the NBA career, have their own personalities grow out on social media or wherever it may be, and then then just cut ties just like that and watch them walk?
3: It definitely sucks to see uh, Alonzo and Ingram go away because – Uh, They were the ones who the front office at least touted a little bit, like Mm -hmm. that they would theoretically want to keep around. Uh, But I mean, I guess for the last six years or so since Kobe tore his Achilles, uh, nobody that has come on the Lakers has really felt like a permanent addition, which is a very weird situation to be in for six consecutive years of watching the team. (laughs) Uh, The only player who ever seemed like he was going to stick around was LeBron. And, I suppose this is just the way you have to build a team around LeBron James. Uh, And I understand the mechanics of that, but I mean, I have a Brandon Ingram Jersey, like my brother has a Lonzo ball Jersey. It's unfortunate that that's just laundry now. Right. (laughs) But uh, yeah, it's, it does kind of suck. Does kind of suck.
0: Hey, I'm a Sixers fan. Ricky's a bulls fan. Well, the Wizards sometimes get draft picks, Mike. Um, watching <laughs> well, watching, we got one this year. We do have one this year. Um, Wa- watching young people come in and come out. Unfortunately, obviously, it's part of the economics of the game, but it's part of the ebbs and flows of the LeBron economics. Oh know? yeah, uh-huh. it's so he- just the way it is. Yeah. So here's
2: my question to you: yeah. Like you, I guess the act in this mock draft, Davis went to the Knicks um, for. a I mean, you have to look up again exactly what it was, but yeah, they this, essentially Anthony got— Anthony
0: Davis goes to the Knicks. The Cavs get the third pick. They pick Barrett, and the Pelicans get the fifth, twenty twenty one, 2021, 2023 Dallas picks. Kevin Knox, Dennis <laughs> Smith Jr., Alonzo Trier, and Lance Thomas. Were
2: you guys talking in the mock draft to the Pelicans about trading for Anthony Davis? I assume you guys were, yes? Yes. So this— I think I think it's pretty clear that the price that the Knicks paid is lower than the price that the Lakers paid in real life. So obviously you guys reached a point where you weren't offering as much in the mock draft as the Knicks were. What was the rationale behind not exceeding whatever the Knicks were offering?
3: I mean, because of the cap considerations of getting LeBron James and whoever else is going to fill out the roster, there's just really no way of building a team around LeBron and Anthony Davis in the upcoming seasons if you don't have draft picks, even if they are lower picks. So I think that was the, the okay. tipping point.
2: So then yeah. it must follow then that the you to some degree believe the Lakers gave up too much in real life.
3: Oh, absolutely. Um, I do think, I mean, I don't know if this is like a, a Laker homerism thing, but there is some sort of Lakers tax that had to be paid considering uh-huh. what went down in February and the fact that they were the only team that was uh, – really going 100 percent in on anthony davis
0: so, okay so in this actual i said i should say not actual that's not even close to the right term in the bloggers <laughs> mock draft so the opposite, the opposite of, actual, of the right term. um in our theoretical draft here the lakers select darius garland we just talked a little bit about darius garland ricky's um you know assessment is is that more or less this guy could be a, a a strong NBA point guard, or there's a lot of question marks still uh, that would uh, you know, maybe preclude him from, from reaching a ceiling as a starting NBA <laughs> point guard. And, again, Ricky had mentioned it; he has a pretty meteoric rise um, considering Vanderbilt was what they win one SEC game, zero SEC games this year. But they play. were bad. Coach fired. They didn't have
1: Darius Garland, though.
0: That Well, right. So, like, you're talking about a horrible uh, a team that was not seen very much and then a guy rises up to potentially being a top-five pick. In a world where this trade uh, in real life doesn't happen and the Lakers sit and pick Darius Garland, would, would that have been a, a successful and, and happy pick for for the Lakers fan base?
3: I'm higher on uh, Culver, Jared okay. Culver, than Darius Garland, uh, mostly because I just think you can't really get enough wings any time you're building a team in this league. So there's a uh,
2: mutiny within the uh, silver screen and roll. <laughs> <laughs> there are differing opinions. You're getting out ahead of this when Garland fails. <laughs>
3: I mean, I, I also don't think that there's a uh, there's a lot of logic in picking another Rich Paul client,
0: you know. Oh, is Garland a Rich Paul client? All of them realize together. So he's a yeah. Rich Paul. God,
3: who else in the yes, draft is a Rich Paul? He's been working out with LeBron James a little bit over the offseason, too. No collusion.
0: Sorry. Um, the <laughs> the, the but just real quick. So we on the same. Are there other Rich Paul clients? I'm sure there has to uh, be has a few others, be. right? Right. It's just fascinating to see how that that's all the
3: Lakers are in the draft.
0: In in the draft, I mean, I guess uh, I'm not. Exactly I mean, there's sure. uh,
3: Basley, the guy who took the internship with New Balance, right? Mm.
0: Yes, yes.
3: But I think he's uh, he's a much lower than the number four pick. Sure. sure. Uh,
2: For with the fourth pick, the Los Angeles
0: Lakers select so like Darius Basley. Yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, all right. So and then and so when you also
0: you also cover the Clippers. I right? know we're jumping a little bit here. Clippers don't have they don't have a pick. Right, It goes to the Celtics. I want to say this year's yeah, draft. Yep. Um, just real quick, like the, the the two cents, if you will, the elevator. What do you want to see the Clippers do this offseason? What's the target now that the injuries have played out the way they have with with Clay and KD? What's the optimal offseason for the Clips for you?
3: Oh, it's definitely Kawhi Leonard. Just Kawhi. I think, right? uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But so who's who's
2: max star number two? Because yeah. they would still have space, right? They,
3: they could get to space for max star number two, but that would require uh, moving Gallinari, probably not being able to re-sign Beverly and Michael Green, and maybe potentially having to move one of Lou Williams or Montrezl Harrell, depending on how everything shakes out.
2: Is that a trade-off so, you'd be willing to make for the I right? Like, who's that worth?
3: just cleanest just to get in the one and bring back pretty much the exact same team oh, because they can get to that without losing anybody of consequence. Like, it's just no more Wilson Chandler, no more Garrett Temple. Yeah,
0: there's okay. a lot of similarities that could be like Toronto West, basically. Build around mm-hmm. Kawhi, have a super strong deep team for the regular season, and, and then a really tight rotation for the playoffs. Um, assuming mm-hmm. maybe they had a few other. A smaller pieces um and then obviously look for some maturation from your young backcourt um, i'm still high on shamit and um i do think there's a world where i mean beverly leaves it looks like he's on his way out where there could be a point guard uh in the second they've they've sec- second round draft picks right They do have that? Two,
3: yeah two i think is that right 48 and 56 there you go
0: there you go
2: and so maybe that's the and, and they also picked a point guard last year too other than Shea yeah, right. not just Shea, but the
0: other guy they picked is a is a Jerome right, Robinson? Jerome Robinson's yes, that's
3: right. got that's some right. ball handling skills there. Yeah.
0: Cool. Well, we uh we have so many other picks to get to right now, and I don't think we should dwell any longer on those those clips. Who made their bed with this? Is this part of the Doc Rivers trade? Is that what this Celtics? I believe so. Yeah.
3: <laughs> this is part of the Jeff Green. Oh,
2: right. The other bad Green. trade with the Celtics.
3: Yes. It went to Memphis originally, and okay. then Memphis stumped the pick to.
0: Celtics, yeah. this pick could have its own 30 for 30 someday I look, forward, <laughs> I look forward to seeing where it nets out but uh Sabrina we will um I'm sure we will be talking to you uh as the draft goes uh goes down on Thursday and, and then ultimately into the uh into the the off season that should be I mean completely wild and, and you will be at the epicenter of that all so again we appreciate you coming and hopping on this uh this mock draft recap and and uh thanks again for taking the time thank you cool and uh Ricky is still there I know Still oh, I'm are. here. I could see you. I could see you. We've been remiss so far. We've we've purposely uh, not talked about uh, the Grizzlies pick at two and uh, who, who the Cavs would be picking at three, although I want to get your assessment. We will get to the third pick, but first I want to go and bring on uh, Joe Mullinax, who Mike and I are near and dear to. We've mm-hmm. talked to many times. He used to come on our old podcast. One of the most enthusiastic Memphis Grizzlies fans, I mean, Speaks for the city. I feel like he's the, the pulse of Memphis basketball. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have Joe on, and he's going to help us uh, talk through this John Morant pick. All right, the Grizzlies are up with the second pick in the draft. We have not gone in chronological order. We have jumped around a little bit, Mike. But we've done that for a reason. We were able to get Joe Mullinax here. He is our resident Grizzlies. Super fan slash he's plugged into the Grizzlies organization. We know mm-hmm. when Joe talks, he's talking for the city of Memphis here. And, and so, Joe, welcome welcome back to talking to Mike and I on a podcast. But for the first time here on the Bloggers Mock Draft Recap for the 2019 NBA Draft, thanks for coming on, Joe.
4: Absolutely. No, I, it's always a pleasure to get to talk with you guys. And uh, it's it's fun to, to do this mock every year. And this year it was a, a little bit bittersweet because obviously the – The future of the Memphis Grizzlies is arriving, and arguably its greatest player ever, or one of its greatest players, is departing. So Mm -hmm. it was one of those, uh, it was almost like closing time, the song by (laughs) Semisonic, just playing in my mind uh, as I was uh, wheeling and dealing Mike Conley and taking John Moran.
0: You know, every do, day, every day do, since do, I left high school, do, do, that song is played do, in my head. Mike's tone exactly deaf. So right. That was exactly Oh, <laughs> come on, that was pretty good. But not so, Joe. You you guys have a pick here that the second that the ping pong balls fell where they did, it was a uh, not a given. It wasn't set in stone, but it felt like it. That John Morant was the heir apparent for the player who we were talking about there, Mike Connolly, who who might be making his exit in the next forty eight hours or so. So. Talk me through why that was such a no-brainer here, and then we will eventually get to, because you were very active in this mock draft, a trade that you made with the Suns for the sixth pick. So tell me about that, John ja Morant, number two, and then, Ricky, you tell me about where Ja fits into the hierarchy of point guards in the NBA.
4: Well, I think John Morant, and I've had this conversation with folks over at com on our podcast, GBB Live. You know, I'm fortunate to have a couple of radio spots that I do in Memphis on 92.9 ESPN there. And uh, in my spots with them, I've talked about this. And, you know, I know you guys can relate to this. You're at the point where you just kind of want the draft to happen now um, and and just be be ready to move on. Uh, But at the same time, you look at what Memphis has in front of them with this opportunity that fell into their lap. And with John Morant, he is a better fit in Memphis, then maybe he is a prospect, if that makes sense. Sure. And the oh, reason I say that is our RJ Barrett to me is just as good of a prospect as our, as John Morant. You know, I mm-hmm. think you can make an argument for a Brandon Clark. You see people doing that, Jared Culver, a couple other guys, but to me, for me, it was between RJ Barrett who can score in a variety of ways, has good versatility on the wing in terms of his size, all that stuff. And Sean Morant. And one of the unique things about Memphis is the, the personality of the city shines through in the team? And, you know, I've talked to you guys about that in the past. And anybody who goes to com, you can get that feeling just from a feature or two. It feels like every week we talk about the soul of the city and how the Grizzlies and Memphis are intertwined. And Mike Conley is a big part of that, as was Marcus Saul, who just won an NBA championship with the Raptors and, and Zach Randolph and Tony Allen before them. Um, John Morant fits that narrative. He is a small town kid, comes up. Bill pulled himself up by his bootstraps. You hear stories from his dad about how he would tell him that he was overrated and he was soft finishing at the rim. And, you know, he, he just kind of seems that he has the mentality of a Memphian. He feels like he's from Memphis and he just doesn't know it yet. So in the case of Morant, for me, he's an explosive player, a great facilitator. He's going to make people better on the offensive end, like Jaron Jackson. Jr., this year's top five pick, uh, does on the defensive side of things. So he's a solid cornerstone player in that regard. And the nice thing about Morant is he fits Memphis. He's not somebody who you'd have to worry about, like maybe a Barrett, getting unhappy uh, because he's in a smaller market. Mm -hmm. As long as the Grizzlies are competently run, which obviously is a big if, uh, but as long as this new front office runs things the right way, I don't see John Morant running away for the bright lights of New York or L.A. when he gets an opportunity to do so. And I think that almost as much, if not more, depending on who you ask, Uh, plays into Memphis taking John Morant two overall. I think if, uh, if New York was picking two overall, if another team was picking two overall, Morant may not be the pick there. But I do believe that the fit in Memphis goes hand-in-hand and varies quite nicely with the skill set. It all kind of works out nicely for the Grizzlies in that way. So I entertained R.J. Barrett, but at the end of the day, Morant makes too much sense on a variety of levels.
2: And he went to school at a Murray State small school, was not highly recruited, to your point. Uh,
4: Nearby, Murray, Murray
2: State's in Kentucky? Yeah. yeah that's right and kentucky is near tennessee but he's
4: from south carolina he's a southern guy i mean the the narrative yeah. the story lines up nicely towards what the grizzlies are looking for
2: yeah so ricky here's my question to you about john moran we've seen a lot of great prospect point guard prospects come out in the last few years uh last year uh you had God, why can't I remember even <laughs> last year's draft? But for real, you've had a lot of like we've had a lot of like interesting point guard prospects over the years come through. Luka uh, Doncic and Trey Young. Oh, Trey Young, yeah, yes, that's the one. Why am I? Why am I? Uh,
0: yeah. Anyway, ask Mike who was picked 14th overall in 1983. He'll bang it out in a second. But Last year is top. I just had too many things
1: in my head. But we've had a lot of
2: we've had a lot of great point guard prospects. Where does Morant compare to some of the great point guard prospects we've seen over the past handful of years?
1: Yeah, it's an interesting debate to me, looking at the three point guards who were taken in the lottery last year, Trey Young, uh, Colin Sexton, Shea Gilgus-Alexander. I would probably take Trey Young and Gilgus-Alexander over Morant. But with that being said, I do think that Morant offers this like sliver of star upside that is absolutely worth gambling on. With the second pick, I think that Morant's vision, his passing ability, is going to be a great fit working off Jaron Jackson in the pick and roll. I think their game should complement each other well on both ends of the floor. To me, the biggest thing Morant needs to improve is just his pull-up shooting ability. Uh, the jump going from the Ohio Valley Conference to the NBA is going to be absolutely tremendous. And especially when you don't have that reliable three point shooter to fall back, a three point shot to fall back on, I think it's going to make things tough for him, especially early in his career. I, if I were the Grizzlies, I would consider keeping Mike Connolly around and just playing them both at the same time. Two point guard looks have become increasingly popular. I feel like over the last decade in the NBA, Morant does have some value off the ball as well because I think he's really smart as a cutter. He'll be great in transition. So I think it could be a rough, uh, you know, transition into the NBA for Morant in his first couple of years. But his natural talent level is so high. Uh, his chance at superstar upside is. To me, maybe greater than anyone else uh, in this draft after Zion. So I think Morant is a good pick. I just wouldn't expect him to be a savior right away. It's probably going to be uh, a little bit more of a long journey for him to hit that upside if he gets there.
0: It feels like then he's going to a, the right place then, a place that's going to give him that ramp, you know, that does not have immediate winning expectations. It has other young players to grow with in a city that will likely you know fall back behind that that line of thought. So yeah, it seems feels perfect. like a good a good match here. Um and
4: don't, don't under and don't w- underestimate Memphis in terms of being a basketball town. You mm-hmm. know, anytime that you see the NBA final ratings come out or whatever it might be, Memphis is consistently in the top 3 to 5 markets in terms mm-hmm. of shares and uh, ratings for anything that is basketball based. So I think it's a very smart city. I think they understand where they're heading. And I think they also have respect, going back to the Mike Conley keeping Mike. Mm -hmm. I think they have respect for their stars. Like, there was a serious conversation among people that were Grizzlies fans about whether or not there should be a parade for Marcus Fall in Memphis that he won the championship (laughs) in Toronto. Uh, There's like a legitimate happiness. For these guys that helped establish that core era, the grit and grind era that has now clearly been moved on from, mm-hmm. I think people are almost looking forward to seeing Mike Conley going to a team where he can a compete to be an All Star because that's something that Mike's wanted his whole career. So most folks want him to go to the Eastern Conference to have that better chance and B, win a championship. You know, Mm -hmm. I I think if Boston was realistic, which I don't think it is anymore uh, with the Al Horford news and all the stuff going on with that, uh, but if Boston was realistic, I think nothing would make Memphians happier if the Grizzlies aren't going to be good for a while than to see Boston versus Toronto in the Eastern Conference Finals in 2020, Mike Conley versus Mark Gasol (laughs) with another chance for a Grizzlies elite player, a legendary player to win a championship. I, I think that... That shouldn't be discounted either. At this point, I think Grizzlies fans are looking to see Mike go to a place where he can play for a championship because, unfortunately, that's not going to be in
2: Memphis. The same love may be not extended to Jeff Green, if the Wizards make it <laughs> that far. Um, <laughs> right. So <you laughs> wow. So, Ricky, you were saying you think they should have kept Conley. Obviously, Joe, you did not keep Conley. You traded him in this mock draft to the Phoenix Suns for Tyler Johnson, Josh Jackson, TJ Warren, and the number six pick, and you also gave up Dylan Brooks and CJ Miles. Was there any thought to keeping Mike Conley over making this offer, taking
4: this offer? No, to be honest with you, my, my goal going into the mock was to trade Mike Conley, and I'm kind of going against what I just said. You're sending I, I him to the about Suns. Fans wanting to see, <laughs> yeah, I I, want, I I valued as the mock GM getting the best possible return I could. And good. to me, there's a bit of a sliding scale when it comes to Mike Conley's value. It's kind of like the, the uh, supply and demand curve and trying to find that perfect intersection. <laughs> the, the closer you get in terms of higher the draft pick, the less likely it is you bring back good players. Sure. Like in our community mock draft that I do over at Grizzly Bear Blues, I traded Mike Conley the Chicago Bulls for the number seven pick. Uh, Cristiano Felicio, I think, and uh, Denzel Valentine. And I was crucified. Like, people thought that I was absolutely insane. But I valued getting a higher pick in this draft. Whereas in another mock draft that I did, I tried to get – or I did get Demontis Sabonis and the number 18 pick from Indiana. So I got a superior player. But I got a lesser draft pick. It's all kind of just been an experiment to see what other people see as Mike Conley's value. In this draft, I decided to go right into it and say, I'm gonna get the very best thing that I can actually get. And the Suns were borderline surprising, to be honest with you. I I send Dylan Brooks to Phoenix like he should have been sent to in the first place. <laughs> uh, I like went Kelly Oubre. Should Is Marshawn Brooks Grizzly. still in
2: the uh, Grizzlies? Can you send the no. wrong Brooks? <laughs> I,
4: I wish. I wish. Um I bet it should have happened in the first place. But uh, Dylan Brooks finally goes to Phoenix, as he should. And C.J. Miles is cap filler to make it work. And Memphis still has an opportunity to have money come off the books in the Tyler Johnson contract. Josh Jackson could be good. He could be terrible. At at this point, you're just taking a flyer on a piece of talent. To me, the main cog in the trade beyond the sixth pick, because I like DeAndre Hunter a lot, was T.J. Warren, because I think he's one of the most underrated players in the NBA. He's on a great contract the next three years. He can score. He's versatile at both forward positions. And I think that he is a nice fit next to Jaron Jackson Jr. and John ja Morant. If, if you're trying to build a young team and trying to establish a core of guys that can help build what it means to be a Memphis Grizzly again, I think that this trade really helps with that. It gets young players in a new a new area a new place, a new city, gives them a chance at a fresh start with a new head coach and Taylor Jenkins. And to me, it was the. It, I don't see the Grizzlies; they probably aren't getting this kind of trade anyway. In, in reality, but to me, this is maximizing Mike Conley's value. I see this as the very best that Memphis can do: multiple young players and a pretty high first-round pick in this draft, even in a draft that people say is only three or four players deep. And I don't necessarily disagree with that. But I do think that if you can get a DeAndre Hunter in combination with the guys that I was able to select, that's a huge haul for Mike Conley.
0: Agreed. And I think we should touch a little bit on, on Hunter here. And, and, and Joe, we, uh, we are at the sake of the clock right now and very early on in our okay. draft. So. You were very helpful here, and not just helpful. We're going to have you on and talk more and more, obviously, throughout the course of if we ever get to do the Limit Upside podcast again. Um, we will have you on again because I think the Grizzlies <laughs> are going to be an interesting interesting team to follow, especially in this offseason, because like like we touched on here, their team is going to change likely again in the next 48 to 72 hours here with with this potential trade and with Mike Connolly uh, you know, likely on the move with his heir apparent coming into town. But um, So we will let you go here, Joe, um, and we will get Ricky's thoughts here on, on DeAndre Hunter. A Philadelphia native and someone whom I uh, have seen play when he was a young kid, uh, and that my, my how young I saw him play when he was fifteen. My my uncle's best that's friend. that's not that. That's
2: not that young. Yeah, I mean, my when um, You say young kid. uncle's best friend
0: is uh, his son is the coach of Friend Central and has been coaching DeAndre Hunter. For a while, or that's, coached him prior. This is to the annual there. Ben name drop so, of well, segment. You okay. know, just gonna throw it out there. Big <laughs> fan of Hunter, and I uh, rep all those uh, those Philadelphia high school athletes, are like guys like Kyle Lowry, championship pedigree. You know, um, <laughs> so that's uh, well timed. <laughs> nice, nice that he has that title now. So Joe, again, thank you for coming on, man. And and just again, bl- one sec. Where can we find your your podcast? And uh, again, what was that called?
4: Uh, yeah, it was called Grizzly Bear Blues Live. Uh, yeah. You can find that on the SB Nation podcast That's network. Right. Uh, we're, we're proud members of that. Check us out over at grizzlybearblues.com. We'll have great coverage. We're having a watch party in Memphis that we're doing with some uh, some great local blogs and local radio stations. So cool. check out grizzlybearblues.com. Lots of good stuff over the next few days.
0: Fantastic. All right, Joe, thanks again for coming on, bud.
4: All right, thank you. Appreciate it. All
0: right, see you, man. And Ricky. DeAndre Hunter, who Mike just berated me for mentioning that I had seen him play when he was younger because he's older now. This guy played a bunch of college basketball. Yeah, Usually
2: he gets older well, over the years. He's usually also, he's, not, he's not 15 anymore. He's also
0: older than <laughs> most other players in this draft. He genuinely played college basketball, not just a one-and-done guy, and arguably peaked uh, in the brightest of lights. So is it fair to say is he the sixth best prospect in this, or is he just the right guy in this draft?
1: Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of him in a vacuum. I do think Joe made a compelling case for his fit in Memphis, just having another you know, effective 3 and D combo forward there who you would give you some lineup versatility with Jaron Jackson, play Jackson at the 5, Hunter at the 4, get a couple more wing uh, scorers and creators out there. And I think that that would be an interesting look uh, in this particular scenario. For Hunter in general, he might be the— the one prospect in the top seven or the top eight that I would be the most hesitant to draft because I don't think he has the upside typically associated with a pick that high. The thing that stands out to me is that he just has really rudimentary creation skills. He's not someone who's going to beat you off the dribble in isolation. He's not someone who's going to run a pick and roll. What DeAndre Hunter is, is a really, really big, strong, point of attack defender so he's phenomenal on the defensive end and then offensively he's mostly a catch and shoot guy but he has a really slow release on his jumper which i think is going to inhibit how effective he can be at the nba level you compare him to someone like jared culver and make no mistake deandre hunter won the individual matchup against culver on the biggest stage in college basketball Mm -hmm. in the national championship game this year but for the season culver was able to get off at a much higher rate than Hunter was. I think part of that is because Hunter lacks creation skills off the dribble and because he has a slow release. I'll go back to one of the defining highlights of Zion Williamson's season <laughs> yeah, yeah. this year at Duke. It was in a game against Virginia at Virginia, LeBron, rich Paul, Rajon Rondo all show up sick courtside. Uh, at one point in that game, Zion comes out of nowhere to make an incredible block on a corner three. The player shooting that shot was DeAndre Hunter, and the reason that Zion had an opportunity to make the play is because Hunter's shot takes so long to load up. Now, can DeAndre Hunter quicken his release in the NBA? Of course. he's. We talk about him being old, but he's 21 years old. He has plenty of time to grow as a player. Uh, but to me, he, does, he lacks the upside uh, that some of the other players in this draft have. Just because he can't really do too much off the dribble, yeah. uh, and while he is a really good defensive player, he also had low block and steal rates. His teammate Ty Jerome had a steal rate that was like three times as high as his playing in Tony Bennett's defense. So uh, <laughs> I, I like Hunter, high floor guy. The Michael Bridges of this draft, I would say I would still mm. take Bridges over him in a vacuum, but uh, you know, could be a good player in the right situation. Yeah, Interesting. I, I
0: like one thing I really liked about Hunter was, and this again. I'm thinking about right now in the NBA, guys who are shorter but play bigger. Uh, he played up a lot. I mean, you're talking about a guy who was playing, in essence, power forward and center in some lineups uh, for UVA and being asked to switch on everything, fight through everything. I mean, UVA has an extremely demanding right. uh, half-court defensive so style. I
2: see that, but then what What separates him from like Semi Ogile, who's what? basically the same oh, wow. it, sort of like kind of – this guy who plays up and is tough but has yeah. a slow release on a jumper. Sure, sure, sure. And I'm, I'm not you know? here
0: to def- – I'm just saying there are there are traits that you bring with you, specifically defensively. Um, Rick, your point about uh, steal rate, block rate, I think part of that is that the help defense on UVA is so strong. I mean, you watched a lot of ACC basketball. You watched a lot of UVA this year. There's always a couple guys in the right place. So maybe that is potentially why a guy like Jerome Could is be. getting more of, of the deflections, et cetera. But, um, yeah, I mean, again um, – a, t- a tested player, someone who's had to play against, I think we've talked now about multiple generations of Duke prospects, and I think Hunter's played against three of them. He was also missed, uh, you could see when he missed time uh, the year prior and how much that affected UVA in their first round oh, loss. Yeah, but they but did, you're not they evaluating did, he him. He did not play against UMBC. I know, I'm just saying. There's, yeah. there's you're so not evaluating stuff. him based on his fit no, with no, UVA. No. Uh, by um, the way, yeah.
2: rudimentary creation skills is such a yeah, sick man. burn. Man. It, is a really <laughs> it is a really sick burn. Simple guy, apparently. Ricky, is there any? are there any picks that the bloggers made low, on that
0: real quick we didn't even we haven't really touched on rj barrett yet i think we should probably touch on a guy who's gonna be picked uh i guess okay fine Um, edit edit that part yeah yeah no it's fine Mike. that's totally fine we will get to i want to talk um we have like 10 minutes left i want to do rj barrett right now um and you can hit this right over the over the fence if you'd like ricky where does rj barrett sit in this league is he a superstar potential player or is he going to be more of your uh, Andrew Wiggins streakier? Yeah, sure. And Wiggins, that's, <laughs> is he a Harden or a Wiggins and or where in the middle of that scale does he fit?
1: Yeah, to me, it all depends on how RJ Barrett is going to approach the game when he gets in the NBA in college. He was definitely a guy who was the number one recruit in two different classes uh, entering college basketball. He was widely presumed to be the number one pick. Of course, at the start of the college season before Zion took him over, but RJ never carried himself as the second best player on the team, even though everyone else realized Zion was the superior talent. He's someone who, to me, has always been programmed with that Kobe Bryant sort of mindset of, I'm going to be the alpha dog scorer. If you follow RJ Barrett on Instagram, you will see he started calling himself Maple Mamba during the season, which to some people would show you know, this killer instinct he has that Kobe really idealized during the prime of his career, I think that R.J. Barrett needs to be less like Kobe Bryant as he gets (laughs) into the NBA. He needs to stop living off these really difficult shots and, you know, some of the uh, passing and facilitating ability he showed as a high school player, really high-level events like FIBA tournaments internationally, yeah. uh, like the Hoop Summit, which he played in two different times, the youngest player to ever play in the Hoop Summit. I think that those are the skills he needs to develop. I wrote on R.J. Barrett uh, during the season that for R.J. Barrett, less is more. When he takes a step back and he's really able to uh, you know, tap into his overall skill set, not just his scoring ability, I think that that's when he – reaches his peak. Now you look at him, he's going to be huge for a wing. He can handle the ball pretty well, though. Typically it seemed like a Duke, at least he was predetermining his drives, not really shifty uh, in terms of his ability to create space in tight, in tight areas. Uh, So I think, you know, those are the type of skills he's going to have to improve, which certainly can improve. And then it's like, how do you improve feel for the game? How do you improve how well you see the floor? How do you improve your vision? So Barrett to me, uh, you know, could end up being a good player just based on his physicality is the rare 18-year-old who will be physically ready for the NBA day one, I think, because he is so big, strong, and fast. Uh, but if he's really going to maximize his potential, he's going to have to take a step back and learn to read the game and think the game yeah. uh, at a higher level than you showed it do.
0: So, so, like, one thing that definitely stood out, I watched a, a compilation of his drives. I think it was, like, 120 different clips, and... Look, he looked to me, if I close my eyes and, and, and blinked a few times, it looked like Thad Young, like a guy who's decided I'm going left at the three-point line and forces it to the left. I mean, he really seems like a one-sided, a one-handed side of the, uh, of the court guy, which goes into the tunnel vision for passing. When you've made up your mind about which part of the rim you're attacking and, and how you're going to get there, you've cut off part of the court. I think a lot about the idea that he may have already played with his best teammate last year than he will for the next couple seasons. In this hypothetical trade— Wow, that trade, is
2: rude to Shetty Osmond. Well,
0: in this <laughs> hypothetical trade, he ends up on the Cavs, where he will be flanked by Sexton, who has no idea how to play point guard. Uh, Kevin Love, if he decides to play next season. Uh, sorry, Shetty Osman. Shetty Osman, man. <laughs> uh, who's that not, is so rude who's to Who's not Osman. very good. And so the idea that he couldn't really figure out— and part of this falls on Coach K, who is a stubborn— coach in terms of the sets he runs and how he uses his talent. He couldn't figure out a proper way to use three of the top potential ten picks in this draft, but uh, we're talking about a guy who, really, to your point, that mental aspect of not being able to look across the bench or look across the room—I guess they were roommates—and see Zion. I should be able to learn how to play off of him, which will ultimately help me. It's a weird mental gap that I wonder how that translates into the NBA. Um, what, what is mental? Mental Mamba because he's
2: Canadian? Maple or Maple Mamba? Excuse yeah, me. Yeah, he's Canadian. Just—is that the only reason that nickname yeah, makes sense? It's just because Canadian. Okay. Yes, a hundred percent. So um, he should be more like Maple.
1: Uh, Maple
2: Kawhi. I was like, what's the name of a role player who, who
0: starts with the letter M. Wow. Uh, Maple Morris brother. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Maple right. Morris brother. Ricky, um we do not have a whole lot of time left. I wanna get your thoughts on two teams who have a total of five picks in the first I don't know, twenty five picks or so. The Hawks have two picks. Uh, and then I will let you if you want actually Before I even do the Hawks, who do you you want the Bulls to take? In their mock draft here, our Bulls are taking Kobe White. Is that who you would also like to see them take?
1: Yeah, I made that pick, so I got (laughs) to defend it. Uh, Kobe White would be second on my board behind Jared Culver. He'd be my preferred pick for the Bulls. Uh, if he's not available, I do think Kobe White would be a good selection for Chicago because they have an obvious hole at point guard. I think that Kobe White, while being more of a scorer than a facilitator and while largely being considered a combo guard, I think he, his – his playmaking ability, his facilitating gives him some untapped upside as he continues to grow into his point guard role. I think that, you know, that could boost his overall value in the league. And then the other nice thing about him is that at six foot five. He could play on or off the ball because he has great shooting ability. Mm-hmm. He was Elite this year at North Carolina on catch and shoot opportunities. He has good mechanics off the dribble. He already has a really developed step back move that I wrote all about last week at SB Nation that I think will serve him well early in his career. So ideally, ideally Kobe White develops into that point guard of the future for the Bulls. But in a scenario where he doesn't, in the 2020 draft, I'll have my 2020 mock later this week. (laughs) Is very very point guard heavy. I think it might be something like you know, 13 point guards in the first round in an early projection. Uh, And in that scenario where the Bulls find another point guard of the future, I think that White could play, you know, be a great sixth man who scores off the bench and can just give you some lineup versatility because of his shifty ball handling, because of his shooting. Uh, because of his size, I think that you know he he has both a high ceiling as a point guard and a high floor as a potential you know guy to come sure. off the bench and get you some points. So if he has a high
2: ceiling and a high floor, like how does the, the, the room level up? It's a small room, I <laughs> guess. <sir. laughs> um, uh, is there a pick later on that you really liked uh, that any of our bloggers made, or someone who you think is a sleeper that you look at the blogger mock draft, you think, man, how that guy slip so far?
1: Yeah, there's a few guys I like. I really like Grant Williams, who we have going to the Spurs in this mock draft. I think that'd be a terrific pick for him. So strong. Immediately is gonna be one gonna have like elite functional strength in the NBA, gonna be able to finish inside. A really smart player, two-time SEC player of the year, won it as a sophomore, and then was better across the board this past season as a junior. Uh PJ Tucker is a common comparison for him, both players played under Rick Barnes at the college level. Barnes himself first touted PJ Tucker as a potential comparison. Uh, for grant williams is a pro so i think that that would be a tremendous pick for the spurs or any other franchise i really like Bull Bull too, a player who i've covered extensively since high school i recently wrote a big thing on his upside at espionation.com. basically there's never been someone with his length and his shooting ability nine seven standing reach is only going to be equaled by rudy gobert and mo bamba you think of the other guys with his length be it andre drummond Uh, Brendan Haywood was someone with a seven foot six wingspan. None of them were threats at all from the outside. Whereas bubble is just a straight up knockdown shooter. I think he's going to have a tremendous amount of gravity just standing somewhere on the floor. And I actually think he can make some moves off the dribble in terms of attacking a closeout. Uh, I don't know how he's going to survive defensively. He does have a really poor frame, very skinny legs, narrow hips, already had a foot injury limited him to nine games this year at Oregon, but Uh, You know, there was a lot of zone defense in the NBA this year, which I think is a point in his favor. The league he's drafted into will not be the league he's playing in when he's 25, 26. Now everything, a lot of the defensive schemes are switch everything. But, you know, in a league that's playing more zone, perhaps in the future, I think Bol Bol's length and shot blocking ability could be an asset. I love his shooting ability. Uh, I, I would take a chance on Bol Bol, especially in a draft that doesn't have a ton of players with star upside. I do think he has the potential to do that. Maybe he flames out and I look like an idiot, but uh, I think, you know, his upside is worth gambling on.
0: In a league where Brook Lopez became, like, a, a, an incredible commodity by, I don't know, three months into last season, people realized that having a court spacer with a dynamic single player in the middle, which again, there's no recipe to have a Giannis on every team. I was going to say,
2: so but does, there's does Bol Bol go got, to a team with Giannis
0: Well, or he goes to a team with a Harden, or he goes to a team with, I don't know, in a this, Kyrie, or someone who's going to need space to attack with spacing. I, I do, In this draft, he goes to Boston, by the way. Yeah, so in the mock here that we have, the Hawks, by the way, are going to be picking Cam Reddish with the eighth pick, and Nazir Little with the 10th pick both of those guys were highly hyped prospects going into last year respectively at Duke and UNC both had pretty poor I think by uh, the standards that were uh, presumed to be set on them are uh, you know poor seasons as as freshmen which is always difficult to say there's the fit Cam Reddish went from being uh, a best player on every team he's been on to the third wheel if you will uh on on Duke and and then little kind of just maybe is built more for the NBA than he was for college basketball. Um, We won't talk too much about that because I did want to just mention real quick that in our mock draft here, we have the Celtics taking Jackson Hayes from Texas uh, with the 14th pick in the draft. And then we also have the Celtics taking Bowl Bowl at 20. And then I believe we also have the Celtics taking uh, Kevin Porter Jr. So whoever did this went for three big swing prospects. Any of those guys you think, uh, aside from Bobo, I guess you already mentioned, could be a star, what should I know about Jackson, Hayes, and, and Kevin Porter other than they're also talked about as guys with high upside?
1: Sure. I'll start off with this Jackson Hayes take. I don't know if I've ever seen a seven footer move the way he does. He runs the floor with an incredible amount of fluidity and agility. The way he cuts and is able to get up the floor is really, really rare even for elite NBA players. Like You think of the way Anthony Davis runs in transition and those are the kind of vibes I get from Jackson Hayes. I'm not super high on him uh, in the short term. I think he's going to struggle quite a bit as a rookie because he's still so thin. He has no real skill level to rely on in terms of his shooting ability or his passing. Uh, He is a pretty good shot blocker, but he struggles as a rebounder. But man, in a in a league that is playing faster than ever, I think that, that his ability to get out in the open floor, into you know like Euro step at full speed as a guy with a seven four wingspan and who's seven feet tall, I think is really intriguing. I also find Kevin Porter very intriguing. There were times to me when I was going to have him as a top five pick in this draft during the college season. He had a really weird year at USC. He ended up having a nagging injury that was never totally cleared up he got suspended by the team for one or two games and he finished 7th in minutes per game on his own team for USC squad that vastly underperformed the f- whole year, didn't make the NCAA tournament. He is unbelievable at creating space in the half court. So many good putback moves up and under his athletic finishes. Uh, Kevin Porter can really create his own offense off the dribble, especially in isolation situations. Uh, he, he's tremendous in that regard. Also shot like 41% from three. Mm-hmm. Just a big physical athlete at 6'6", 220 pounds that I also think has some untapped defensive upside. So uh, I enjoy kevin porter's game quite a bit if you're looking for dudes to gamble on in this draft i would take him
2: got it should i be excited about brandon clark going the wizards in this mock seems like yeah brandon
1: clark's amazing seems like he's the guy that
2: like the the metrics love and so i should be excited about this
1: He's unbelievable. He was the second best player in college basketball this year behind Zion. Uh, He had one of the strongest seasons of the decade for any individual player in college basketball shot over 70% in terms of his true shooting percentage, automatic on just short rolls to the basket, putbacks. Uh, He just knows how to get his own offense and how to score efficiently. And then defensively, he's. The best defensive prospect in the draft, I would say. Uh, six foot eight, super quick twitch athlete. I think he could potentially be a four or five position defender uh, in a okay. system where you're switching everything. So I think, you know, ideally the perfect fit for Brandon Clark is next to someone like Carl Anthony Towns or Chris Taps Porzingis, a stretch five who could give him more space to operate inside and to sort of accentuate his strengths while covering up some of his weaknesses. He is. Pretty thin and he's not long. He is like six, eight. He was like barely 210 pounds, I believe, and he doesn't have long arms. He also can't really shoot, but that jump shooting ability ha- did improve during this first year at Gonzaga. Before he was at San Jose State, set out of your transferred, uh, but basically a non-shooter right now is too small to play center. So what? And he's going to be a 23-year-old rookie. So what makes this guy so good? Well, he's just incredible at basketball. That's good. That insane seems like insane <laughs> athlete. Great instincts. Uh, I love Brandon Clark. If he's there for the Wizards, you know maybe he doesn't slot in perfectly right now next to Thomas Bryant or whoever the Wizards are going to have. Take a tenor, that back, you, Ricky. You can find a stretch five to play next to him in the future. Get Brandon Clark now. You take that back. The great Thomas Bryant is a
2: perfect fit next to Brandon Clark. But we <clears throat> once we resign him to like a minimum contract. He's gonna be great. Yeah. You take that back. Yeah. Carl Anthony Towns, Christas Porzingis. Uh,
0: last but not least here of the Euros who are projected to go in the first round. Uh Siku Dumbuya, is that <coughs> pronounced correctly? That Let's was- go with
1: it. Yeah, sure.
0: <laughs> uh, and then uh Goga. I don't know man. Wait, is I, a, the Georgian player. He's a he's a big uh Everybody's
2: excited about that dude. Is that is that the guy that everyone's super excited about now? Yeah, people
0: like Goga. And there's also Lucas. Uh, he, won uh, the
1: League, I, he won the Euroleague Rising Star Award this season, which uh is a big deal. Miritich won that award. Doncic won it a couple times, I think. So mm. there is a pedigree there with Young players who were able to win that award uh, translating to the NBA. He sort of looks like a traditional center at first glance because he's not a quick twitch athlete. Uh, he's not someone who you would project to defend guards and a switch everything system. But really smart player with advanced skill level, and that's sort of the selling point behind him. Able to step out to the three point line, hit a jump shot, makes quick and smart rotations, is a good passer. He's definitely not Jokic, which I think you know some people who like his upside might be tempted to compare him to he certainly isn't that type of just you know magician the way that jokic is but i think that he's he's a quality center who will be able to play in a changing nba uh because he's really skilled and he's really smart and he's you know big and strong and tough
0: not bad qualities for a center all right well look we've kept ricky on the line for way too long considering i mean it's sort of a busy week for you i guess this this is kind of the lead up so
2: sorry we kept you on (laughs) to talk about draft prospects oh you know
0: he's I guess he writes stuff for uh, of which you should be uh, going to and and looking for all of Ricky's great draft coverage. There are profiles on any number of players, including, uh, and Mike, you should pitch this because I think you are the NBA editor of SB Nation. Yeah. Uh, What is the the module that we've created to help you find your prospects? Oh, no, no, talk to Ricky about that. He, He made that, not me. Last plug here. Go ahead, Ricky.
1: Yeah. So uh, this week at SB Nation, we debuted a project I was working on with our storytelling team that allows you to choose three attributes uh, that you want in an NBA player, three priorities, and then we'll spit out a custom NBA draft board for you. I got 30 guys on that list. I came up with 13 attributes that I think helps make a good NBA player. And you can you know, choose your first priority, your second priority, your third third priority and then we'll spit out a draft board for you one through 30 of uh you know how guys match those traits so it's a pretty fun tool it's gotten some great feedback uh, you can check that out on sbnation.com.
0: It stinks because every time I do it, man, and it's awesome. I, I get, uh, <laughs> I get, I get Horton Tucker, and I, I keep looking. You just at, say it stinks well, no, and, and then it's, it's awesome. No, the the, the <laughs> project you've done is awesome. It stinks for me because every time I put in the attributes I want uh, for the Sixers at the like twenty fourth pick, I get guys who are in like the fifty through forty range in my head, like a like a Horton Tucker, who I oh. I could see being a I think a first round draft pick for sure but uh fascinating i love playing where i'm with the uh, with the tool and maybe I, you uh, should be changing your opinion based I, on what the the draft board well, is a spitting out ball handling wing who's tough and has a smart presence who can jump in now I mean, you know so you know anyhow so so maybe maybe
2: what the the app is telling you is that you should like that guy a little bit more than yeah. you do yeah, it's well, interesting that you're like oh i don't like this thing because <laughs> it doesn't conform to my opinion well, already i, I know i'm stupid. just i'm just saying
0: so i just want the sixers to pick taco uh, fall so the is ta- he going to get drafted uh, who knows man taco and Boban together would just be the f- I mean they'll never be on the same team because they'd have to buy a new airplane to, to, to put them on together but uh anyhow we've we've run long here uh Ricky O'Donnell from espnation.com here thanks again for uh, for for hopping on and, and recording with us uh on a on a rainy Tuesday here.
1: Thanks for having me, friends.
0: Awesome, awesome. And uh, hey, Mike Prada, uh, it's been good doing a podcast with you again. It's we been hope nice. we hope everyone enjoyed this uh, SB Nation bloggers mock draft of 2019 NBA draft. It's on Thursday. Listen to this now. Go to uh, Ridiculous Upside and please check out the actual written part. This is uh, much larger. There were other trades. There's also obviously 30 picks in the first round. We really only chronicled about 10 to 15 of those. So get some more in depth information. On ridiculousupside.com, uh, here. Please keep listening to all of the Espionation team site podcasts. They're phenomenal. You heard from Joe mullinex He's obviously one of the hosts of our Memphis Grizzlies podcast. Um, and, and look, there's lots of good pods depending on what team you want. There's plenty to choose from. So please continue to listen to that. Subscribe to anything else that's on the Vox Media Podcast Network. There's tons of great podcasts to listen to of all different genres. I'm Ben Epstein. That's Mike Prada. This was an abridged version of Limited Upside. Abridged? Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, it's an hour long, but it's the only one we're going to be doing for a while. Uh, oh, don't say that. You maybe, maybe never know. You never know. You never, you never know. know. But oh, uh,
2: yeah. anyway, thanks for all yes. your team site people yes. letting us you know, bug your airwaves yeah. with our BS.
0: Yeah. And uh, everyone enjoy the draft. And then on to uh, free agency and summer league. Until next time, I'm Ben. That's Mike